Welcome to the Canon Care Podcast, brought to you by M3. I'm Sarah Kukula, Director of Senior Living and Social Services at M3. And I'm Marlia Coiler-Grayhek, Risk Manager at M3. Each episode of the Candid Care Podcast promises to challenge your current thinking about the long-term care industry and introduce concepts to improve your organization and advance the field. From executive risks to key strategies, we'll approach each topic from multiple angles and invite leaders with unique perspectives to join in the conversation. Please be advised this podcast and the recommendations throughout are not intended as legal advice and should not be used as or relied upon as legal advice. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Welcome to episode eight of the Candid Care podcast. We are excited to have with us today, Justin Smith. Justin is the senior manager of the innovation and technology group at the Direct Supply Innovation and Technology Center. So that's quite a mouthful, Justin, but welcome. We're happy for you to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. My, yeah, my business cards are very long. So uh, business no, happy, card. happy to be here. I would presume you don't have business cards, but you have some schnazzy, innovative QR code. QR code or something I've never even heard of. I have both. I have business cards that are left over from, you know, obviously our previous life before technology took over. So, <laughs> Well, Justin, with the, the holidays around the corner, we thought it would be fun and in the spirit of the holiday wish list season to have a discussion about technology in the senior living and social services field. And who better to talk about that than you? and perhaps give providers some ideas of tech options that they can consider for their organizational wish list, if you will, AKA budget planning. <laughs> but before we, we dive into maybe some different types of tech out there, Justin, can you first set the stage of the state of the market, if you will, in terms of technology in the senior living and social services field? Like where are we now and where do you see that going? Sure. Yeah. So I think the honest answer is that we have been, you know, our group has had a focus on technology for a long time. And I think that we have seen various groups who are comfortable with technology adoption at different paces. I think the pandemic has probably escalated that for a lot of our customers and a lot of the folks that are in senior living. I think that there's market pressures that have pushed a lot of that, specifically when you look at, I'll say the staffing side of the world. So all of a sudden we have less people uh, that we had before the pandemic. We are struggling to get some work done around the building. And so what technology is opening us up to be a little more efficient uh, than maybe we've been in the past. On the other side of this is looking at the, I'll say shifted in acuity levels of residents within, you know, senior living communities and starting to get an understanding of how can we be a little more predictive and less reactive to the changing health of our residents? And so I think we're seeing things inclusive of everything from wearables to machine vision system, sensor networks, all sorts of things that are starting to come. And a lot of folks within this industry are more apt to try some things that maybe historically they were to sit and wait, see it when it matures, let some other people mess with it first, and then we'll bring it in. I think folks want to have a seat at the table as part of the conversation about how technology is developed. And that's opening the doors to a lot of kind of early tech developers to get into these buildings, 
gather feedback and understand, are they on the right path? Do they need to make changes to their solutions? Any of that kind of stuff. So I think the kind of state of the union when it comes to that is tons of great solutions coming out, more willingness to maybe get involved a little earlier for a lot of senior living operators. And I think that's going to drive more and more development in the coming years that maybe it's been slower historically, but everything seems to be progressing faster and faster now. Mm -hmm. So essentially no silver bullet at this point in terms of a robot who can completely take care of our residents. That's probably yeah. not something that's going to be coming in the near short term, right? Yeah, no no silver bullets do all the problems that are going on, but I think there's definitely point solutions. One of the things that we tend to look at is the integration between systems. And I think maybe that mm -hmm. is the silver bullet for a lot of things of I've got my medical record. I have this other solution over here. I have three other solutions are within the building and none of those solutions actually talk to each other. Yeah, that is probably the silver bullet in my mind is how do we actually get those solutions to start to talk to each other where there is a singular source of truth within the building on the state of the building, the state of the residents, all those types of things. There's certainly some groups that are looking into that, but I don't think that there is a, I'll say, mass available solution just yet. Yeah, I think, Marlia, back to one of our first podcasts where we talked about emerging and evolving risks where we talked about the interconnectivity of different platforms and tools and resources. And so it's interesting, Justin, because I think what we've identified is where we're at today is going to be different than where we are even six months from now, 12 months from now too. So the pace of play is, is certainly different. I, I'm excited to hear a little bit more from you about some of the real world practical tools and technologies that providers can consider today. And candidly, what's coming across your desk as you play a key role in innovative product technology? So what if we started in the realm of staff efficiency? What are some technology products that you are seeing that can impact staff efficiency and models today? Sure. Yeah, so I, there's honestly a little bit of, of everything in there. Historically, when we looked at staff efficiency solutions, it was very much a big bang approach, right? What is the one thing that we can put in place that can have this massive impact across this work that we do? And I think more and more, we've started looking at what are even the little things that we can put in place where maybe it only saves a few minutes, but it's saving a few minutes on something that we do hundreds of times a day. Right. And so when I think about it off the top of my head, I think of everything from if we're looking at how data is collected. So think about we're going in, we're collecting vital signs for residents or, or things like that. Do you have a connected vital sign solution or are you writing it down on a piece of paper, writing it on the back of your hand, doing things like that? So how do we do workflow automations type tools? And then I think there's a lot of just task automation opportunities within the building. And so robotics is one that I'm focusing a lot of attention on and have focused a fair amount in the last couple of years as we've looked at, there's not enough people out there to come in and do the work. So we've looked at everything from robotics and food service to robotics for EVS, floor care, the general kind of maintenance of the building into applications in the clinical realm. And I think a lot of the usage of robotics has been developed overseas. You see videos of Japan or China and robots kind of cruising all over the place. And you don't really see that in the U.S. And I think part of that has been because labor has been readily available and labor has been cheap. 
both of those things are starting to change. So we're seeing the application of that start to come in. And so we have a, a bunch of customers that are working on the kind of food service robotic side of the world now um, are starting to see the value there, not even necessarily specifically for taking over food service responsibilities, but using some of these robotics to take linens from one side of the building to another, to deliver packages to residents. We've been talking to people that over the course of the pandemic, the number of Uber Eats and Amazon boxes and all the type of things that are showing up at the front desk has exploded. And how do they effectively get that out into their community and their residence is a, is a big piece. So those are the things that are on the top of my head. I think there's all sorts of things that we're looking at moving forward as we think about how do we get ahead of these changes and conditions for residents? How do we make sure that our clinical staff is working to the top of their licensure? So yeah. how do we look at sensor networks? How do we look at the use of ultra wideband radar or cameras yeah. or other things to collect data and make sense out of all of it so that clinicians can focus on the execution of their responsibilities and their roles versus sitting there having to scrub through all this data to understand what's legitimate, what's not. Yeah, I'm kind of going back to my, my earlier comment too, even though there's not, you know, one specific piece of technology that can do everything to replace an employee, it's all about what can we do to make our team members more efficient and perhaps even do more with less. Because unfortunately, the staffing crisis that we're seeing probably isn't going to get that much better over time. So it's something that we need to put investments in now to see what we can do more with less moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's the physical robotic side of the world, which I talked to, but there's also just RPA, right? So robotic process automation of what are all these kind of back of house responsibilities that happen that someone has to log into a system and enter information or do all these other things. And so I think RPA is becoming a larger and larger piece that we're looking at as well of just how do you make people more efficient? How do you get rid of the, the dull or repetitive work across really any factor of operations. And so I think we're seeing more and more practical application of that. And in general, the barrier to entry for technology continues to to drop. So I think what's, I think we're just at the year anniversary of chat GPT coming out. You know, what's chat GPT? I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah, you probably haven't kidding. heard of AI before. No one's talking about I'm it. Kidding. But I think things like that, where AI was this kind of ethereal thing that people knew about, they heard about, they didn't necessarily know the practical application. And now they're starting to see it come out and the barrier to entry being super low. And now they're saying, all right, I have all this data. Can I drop it into this model and have it make sense out of it? It's becoming a reality. It's coming, I think, quicker than a lot of people anticipated. So in terms of the AI, Justin, I think that's a super hot topic right now, obviously. So you spoke a little bit about how it's just developing right now within the field, but I know that there's some certain tech out there that is already kind of using that predictive AI component. Can you speak to maybe the the resident care and safety side of that and how you're starting to see things be implemented in that way? Yeah, I mean, the application of AI, what it's really allowing us to do is it's allowing us to say, we have all of these data sources. And historically, we put this information in front of a clinician and expected them to make sense out of it. The sheer volume of data that's coming in is starting to get such that I can't do that effectively anymore. And so as we're looking at the applications, I think we see everything from artificial intelligence in the form of sensor networks, right? So if it is an ultra wideband radar, so I have access points, sensors around the room, it's able to 
collect massive amounts of information and ultimately understand what's happening in that room. Are people sitting, standing, moving around? Are they, is their breathing rate? Is their heart rate where it normally is? Is there big changes that are happening that we normally wouldn't see? Are there things that are happening that would traditionally end up in some changing condition, maybe hospitalization or something else that we can get ahead of early? Mm-hmm. You have the machine vision side of the world. So safely used, probably one of the kind of largest ones in, in this area of using artificial intelligence and machine vision for falls monitoring, falls identification, those types of things. But more and more, I think what we're seeing is is the application of artificial intelligence to make sense of all of that data, right? So scrubbing the medical records, scrubbing those vitals that are coming in, all these other pieces and saying, hey, some changing condition has occurred. And typically this change that I've seen, maybe it's a spike in heart rate, maybe it's something else, is indicative of a decline, right? So maybe it's that we've seen that this tells me that within 24 hours, this person is going to come down with an infection. The signs are telling us that something else is going on there. So I think what I look at, a lot of people have asked, should we put sensor networks in? Should we do all this stuff to start gathering more data? My initial response to them is typically, we have to figure out what to do with the data before we start collecting more and more of it. And so some of these kind of clinical guidance tools that take all of this information and really boil it down to, here's the three residents that you need to pay attention to today, because all of the data is telling us that they're at highest risk for some adverse event. Maybe it's a fall, maybe it's a changing condition, but something else. Here's where I would focus my attention because this is where the risk lies. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads back to effective use of clinical resources, mm-hmm. the application of AI, all of those pieces come together in, in those types of solutions. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Justin, because data is data unless we know what to do with it. And I think the risk that I see too is if we have this information and we're unable to interpret or, or act, what's the risk in the provider's lap, if you will? I think what's also interesting too is when it, when it comes to robots, I'm going to go back to our earlier comments. Yeah. I know we kind of joke sometimes here that robots won't replace people, but in Japan, they are <laughs> in the aging services sector and they've been you know, working yeah. on that for over two decades. And I think hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars or what have you. Now, I don't foresee that being the reality here in the United States anytime soon by any means. But I think that is candidly sometimes the perceptionist when we talk about technology and quality of care, that's what some people will just default to because that sometimes makes the news and what have you. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there are really some cost effective tools and products that are available that providers can look at investing in today or budgeting for as part of their wish list, right? Is that a wrong perception on my part? Or is that kind of, again, that cost is going down as we're seeing more and more products available in the market and as maybe tech providers are looking to beta test or pilot, like you mentioned before? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's absolutely becoming more achievable to bring technology into the building. And the honest answer is you could ask me five or 10 years ago, mm-hmm. the table stakes of bringing technology in was typically like, you've got to have Wi-Fi within your building. You have to have a strong Wi-Fi infrastructure. And it was hit or miss within buildings. I think it is clearly understood that's the infrastructure that needs to exist now. We can build on top of it. Mm-hmm. To the whole piece of, are we automating away the human experience? I think, at least for me, Like, that's not where I'm focusing. Like, I'm not focusing on, I want to take clinicians out of the room. I want to take others out of the, it's, what are all those things that are not value added 
Mm -hmm. through the interaction between a resident and a caregiver. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it from a clinician side, and and we interviewed a, a ton of clinicians over the past couple of years to understand how they were spending time. And the honest answer is they're spending just as much, if not more time, looking for devices, looking for supplies, mm-hmm. looking for other people to help them with something, then they are spending quote unquote quality time with residents. And so I think as we think about the application of technology and whether it is robotics or anything else, it's how do we take over the things that do not need a human touch, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Especially for an older population, we talk about dining and, and dining room robots. It's the social hour. like. The dining time is the social time for a lot of these residents. And so the focus is not to turn it into an assembly line and Mm -hmm. get them in and out as quickly as possible. Right. But the goal is have true interaction around how those residents are working with caregivers, with food service staff, with each other, and make it an even more memorable experience for them. Mm -hmm. I think on the clinical side, one of the things that we've seen, especially over the last couple of years, is you look at the number of contract staff that are coming into a building. And one of the things that we talk about is historically, you've had the same people there all the time working with your residents every day, and they can notice the minute changes in that resident behavior as an identifier of something that's happening with that resident, right? So maybe they're starting to shuffle their feet and they notice, hey, they're walking differently today than they did yesterday. Well, when you have high turnover of your staff, when you have contract staff coming in and other people that don't know the building, don't necessarily know the residents, some of those pieces go away. And so using technology to have a consistent measurement of some of those things, but then still letting your clinicians act on it, I think is a huge step that we're going to see moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about technology, Justin, it sounds really cool and exciting, but it's more than just purchasing a piece of technology and plopping it in a building. There's a lot of planning and thought that needs to go into that process. Can you speak to the implementation and particularly the the change management that needs to go into that evaluation, implementation, and ongoing process? Yeah. So for me, a lot of the things that I look at and, and we look at solutions really across the world, change management tends to be the toughest piece. Technology in and of itself typically does what the technology is supposed to do, but to make it effective within your community, you have to have the change management pieces associated with it to productionize it, right? To make it part of, of your daily activity and how you live, how you work, how you deliver care. So for me, A lot of it boils down to communication. You have to have strong communication. You have to communicate to the people that are going to be impacted by the change, to your residents, let people have a seat at the table. So as we've talked about, not to hop back to robotics, but we've talked about robotics, right? Taking robotics and putting it into a building and surprising your workers with, hey, we have robotics now. To the point that you made earlier, some of them are going to freak out and say, you're coming after my job. You're going to replace me with a robot. And that is certainly not the intent. On the other side, having robots pop up in your building and what is the resident response going to be? Like, those are pieces that you need to think about. And so communicating it early and saying, listen, here's this path that we're going to go down. Here are the reasons why we're going to do it. And if you're talking to staff, here's the positive impact that we think we're going to have for you. But then letting them voice concerns, letting them voice opinions, let them be part of the technology 
definition, part of the, the technology solution research, all the way down to your residents. So some of the folks that I know have the best change management around technology. They have residents, they have staff members, all kind of part of the conversation early on. So that it's not new to anybody. People know these things are coming. And once they show up, people are excited about it. They actually build excitement about bringing technology into the community. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I put together my kind of 10 steps for technology adoption and, and how to be positive around it. But so much of it is one, how do you communicate it up front? And how do you make sure that you truly understand the impact that you want to have? And then two, how do you make sure you're measuring it on the back end? So I think historically, there's been a lot of people that go out and trial something and they bring it into the building, but they don't necessarily have clear identification of those measurements that they want to take to understand, was this thing impactful or not? And so they get to the end of a 30-day trial, a 90-day trial. They say, well, nobody complained about it. Well, yeah, but that's not the goal of this, right? The goal is to bring down the effort that your workers have to put towards this thing or to clearly impact the outcomes for residents. How do you make sure that you're defining those things up front and then measuring them on the back end and saying, all right, did we achieve that goal or not? And if not, is it something that we have to change? Is it something that we need to work with our technology vendor to change? All of those pieces, this whole idea of continuous improvement has to roll up into all of this. Something that you had said when we were talking about this topic earlier, you had mentioned that when an organization is assessing for technology is to take a look at what is technology with maybe a high impact at the organization with potentially low change management Mm -hmm. or if it's high change management, then it needs to be a high impact. I think that's really helpful in helping providers assess uh, where they should go with technology. Yeah, that two-axis view is something that we always really focus on. And I think the, you know, the unicorn of all these things is high impact, low change management. And we can find those, you know, we try to push hard on them because the honest answer is there's very few of them out there. As that change management increases, more and more work needs to happen and more and more planning needs to happen within the community to ensure that it is going to be a long running positive impact to the community. and. The toughest thing with a lot of this is when you have churn in your staff, how do you make these things just part of how we operate? And so if you're bringing something in and, hey, this is our new standard, but you have this constant staff churn, who is that cheerleader? Who is that voice of reason and that consistent voice within the community to say, nope, this is the way we do things. Every time someone new comes in, we train them to this process. We make sure that they have the benefit of the training that we gave six months ago when we first rolled this thing out, how do you ensure that there's just consistency that every new person that comes in gets that that same benefit of training? And it's not just left up to hop in, you'll figure out how it works. And somebody who learned it from somebody else is kind of the telephone game of education at that point of you learned it from somebody who learned it from five other people. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, to just finish that, It has to be constantly assessed and reassessed as to, is this working? Meaning, is that education and training bringing value as you're looking at rolling out technology within your workplace or your healthcare organization? So I so appreciate all your thoughts, Justin. I think this is certainly something Marlia and myself are in partnership with someone like you and direct supply 
keeping our finger on the pulse so that we can best understand what are those new and emerging technologies that are coming out and are available to providers as they are possible solutions or complements to the work that we're doing on a daily basis. So thank you for all of your insights. Absolutely. Well, and I think my advice would be, as people are looking at new solutions, ask your vendors, ask your partners, how are you going to ensure that we're using this Mm -hmm. correctly and that we're continuing to use it effectively? Reporting is easy, but someone has to look at the report. And so who's focused on the ongoing kind of customer success from your partner standpoint to tell you, hey, these buildings are doing awesome. They're using it effectively. We're seeing value generated. These buildings, hey, over the last, you know, week or two weeks, we've seen usage start to trail off. We need to understand why that's happening and and make sure that we put some kind of renewed effort behind it. Well, I appreciate that plug because, you know, I have an invested interest in the risk management portion of that, (laughs) of technology, as does Marlia. So we do want to know if you're considering, and of course, there's rules and regulations that we have to consider. So case in point, if you're looking at a device that has a camera, we want to have a really thorough conversation about what that looks like because we've got a lot of different considerations, not just from the you know regulatory standards, but also what's the risk you're willing to take on as a part of that? And is that ROI or is that reward worth it? So I agree wholeheartedly. It's going to be an, a multifaceted approach. So I don't know, Marley, if you have any other thoughts to add to that. I would agree from a risk management standpoint. I think with any type of technology that we're looking at, it's great to, to think about that component because yes, it may be solving a lot of day-to-day problems, but in the grand scheme of things, say if there's a a claim or a lawsuit down the line, could this be a risk to you? Potentially. So that just needs to be a part of the the thought process and conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't even touch on property preservation or asset management, but that's a whole nother topic. And I know you guys have a slew of materials when it comes to that, right? Like water loss sensors, the whole gamut. I mean, I thermostat yeah. um, sensors too. I know there's devices that can control temperatures, which can result in energy savings, cost savings for providers. So I know that's also something that you guys have a lot of resources with too. Yeah, absolutely. I think the whole just IoT of the building, right? I think the, the same way we, so we look at residents, okay, yeah. the more yeah. healthcare data, the more we understand how they're doing and if there's a change happening. I think it's the same thing within the buildings. And I think we're all looking at how right. can we run buildings more effectively, more efficiently. Right. Uh, and so understanding the the impact of energy utilization, rising energy costs, all those things. I think that for us, the the focus really is, again, Focus on the things that you can control. Yeah. Things like energy management, and they're not sexy, but fundamentally, it's going to impact the cost that you have to pass along to the residents within your community. Great. There's ways that we can pull that down. We can make your community run more effectively. We can put, you know, better lighting and you can run it at a lower cost. Awesome. Those are things that we should absolutely talk through. Right, right. And it can impact your insurance spend candidly. I mean, you think about property values, property values. There's a lot of things that can be tied back to, hence why it's super helpful to have a conversation proactively with your risk management partners to just talk about what it could mean for your organization. So my goodness, I know this is, I know we're running up on time here, but again, Justin, our sincere thanks and gratitude for making time for us today. We know it's a busy time of year with this holiday season, but I'm certainly interested in knowing If I have a group or if I'm a provider and I'm interested in finding out more about these technologies, is there a place you can direct me uh, with respects to direct supply so I can better educate myself? 
Yeah. In terms of reaching out to me, we're always open as a kind of learning lab idea of there's things that we're looking on that are super early. We work with our customers to, to identify startups that are knocking on their door and, and want to bring their technology in. Directsupply.com slash innovation is probably the easiest way to get a little bit of view of, of who we are and, and what we're focusing on, but also give you the ability to reach out if you have questions. I'm also on, on LinkedIn and, and any of those. I'm always willing to have customer conversations and, and help guide people through this, whether it's with solutions that, that we have vetted or, or not. I'm certainly willing to give the guidance because I think for all of us that, that work in this industry, it's an industry that we all assume that we're going to have to use at some point in the future, right? We've seen loved ones go through it. We assume that we're going to need to take advantage of it at some point. And so any positive impact that we can have is worthwhile. So more than happy to help with any of those things. Awesome. Thank you so much, Justin. Absolutely. No, pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to the Candid Care Podcast brought to you by M3. Connect with us at m3ins.com for access to more resources, insight, and to join the conversation.